Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, joined this week by J.J. Cooper. J.J., welcome back to the podcast notes. We're we're glad to be back here in the the BA podcast note. For the next month, until our big move into the new Baseball America World HQ, where we'll have a podcast slash media room. Yeah, it won't be a nook anymore. It'll be an actual room that we actually can just set everything up. If it has a bay window, it might still qualify as a nook, but I have a feeling it's not going to have a bay window. Thinking that. We thank everyone for joining us here at uh, BaseballAmerica.com and iTunes. Uh, you can reach us at podcast at BaseballAmerica.com. And keeping with our uh, New Year's resolution, we'll read some emails this uh, this which, week on the podcast. Which is impressive. We're in March, and you're keeping up the New Year's resolution. You know, there's not a lot of people who can say that. No, and uh, especially because it doesn't involve weight, I've been able to keep this one. It doesn't involve food or other bad habits, so I've been able to keep this one. So, hope you enjoy the podcast. We've got a lot to talk about this uh, episode, J.J., our Major League Preview issue is uh, heading to bookstores right now. Subscribers should have it in hand. We're going to give you a little extra, uh, a little podcast extra here on the podcast, uh, where we decided to go ahead and basically take an idea that we constantly get in emails. Jim Cowles gets him an SBA. Where would this guy rank if he was still eligible for the top 10? Where would he rank for the top 100? I get tired of those questions. So we, a- we answered it with an entire issue devoted to that with our top 25 rookies, deeper than I think that we've gone in a long time. Top 25, not quite prospect list. In other words, guys who aren't established big leaguers but have surpassed or, the rookie minimum. Can't, we can't really say not, not established big leaguers because Ryan Bronze and all are on there. It's guys yes. who have not basically played a full season in the big right. leagues yet. The qualification, someone who's exceeded rookie limits but has not played a full season. 502 plate appearances, 162 innings pitched, or 50 relief appearances. So that's the official definition of not quite prospect. And then the very easy one, 25 and under players, top 25, 25 and under players. In other words, guys who were 25 years old or younger on opening day 2008. Who have, with, who have played a full season. So, so well, let's make it clear. I, well, I don't think if you were 25 and under and you weren't already established big leaguer, you're going to make this list. Well, Ryan, there are guys who may have made it if it wasn't for the fact that, you know. like Right. Oh, no, you, no, there's no crossover. Yes. Right. That's what I'm trying there to is, emphasize. Yeah, is there's you, no crossover. Ryan Braun... Yeah. If you're wondering why Ryan Braun is not on the top 25 under 25. And you've surpassed the other things we just talked about for the not-quite-prospect list. There's no overlap, indeed. Right, because if you compare... Like him to the back end of that list of the twenty five guys sure. that are twenty five, he probably you know. Hey, you might take him over. Uh, hell, you might take him over Ryan Zimmerman at thirteen. Um, I wouldn't, especially when he's a left fielder. But uh, you know, I, I would. Uh, he, for me, he'd, uh, he'd slot in right around Troy Tulowitzki, who we beat out last year for the uh, Rookie of the Year. And which, which, all that said, I you know, we had a very close vote in the office. I voted for Braun. If I knew then what I know now about how historic Tulowitzki's season was defensively and, and how bad Bronze was defensively, I, I might change my vote. Um, I, I'm, I would be happy with either one of those guys having been our Rookie of the Year, and I, I, I'm proud of uh, voting for Ryan Braun because it was a historic rookie season offensively. But I think Troy Tulowitzki's season might have been a shade better because the defense at shortstop is so crucial. And then, of course, 
we were voting. Yeah. We were voting. I think the, when we were voting, the Rockies' win streak was seven. Right. You know, and then it went up to be twenty-one out of twenty-two, whatever it was. And he was clearly a big contributor to that and helped his team get to a National League pennant. So that carries extra weight. But anyway, the point is that's where Braun would list if we had had some uh, overlap, but we didn't. And we did have some debate, JJ, at the top of our 25 and under list. Miguel Cabrera, David Wright, I forget where you fell in that debate. I started out, talking about your Tulaliski Braun, I started out, because Split to, decision. Give, to give people an idea of how we kind of decide these things, like with this, what we did is is that basically I think you were in charge of putting together one worksheet, yeah. Will was in charge of one, Jim Callis was in charge of another. Correct. So then we all get this worksheet. You know, Here you go, and here's you know, 55, 60 guys to consider. And then everyone votes, and then we all get together, we sit down, and essentially, I mean, basically what you would do with your friends. I mean, it's, yeah. you talk you it, out, it out, you know, and I started out, when we walked into that meeting, I was Miguel Cabrera, but we had kind of a, a contingent, the David Wright contingent, who made the argument that really they thought that David Wright should be number one, and right. they, their point was is that David Wright's offense has been Right about. It's not been as good as Miguel right. Carreras, but it's right. not far off. Right. And he's much better defensively at third base, which is a position where defense, you know, if we're talking about two left fielders, yeah. it's not as important. But, it is important there. But it's third base. Well, yeah. I ended up switching to where down the, you know, when it was over, it's like, you know, maybe David Wright would have been the best, you know, but that was my opinion. Right. It was basically a push for me, and it was not a push for me when it started. It was really a push for me after the David Wright research contingent. Uh, Matt Eddy and Ben Badler. To yes, they're, they're part of the David Wright project at Baseball America. But, um, you know, I don't, uh, I, I think I have a little bit more faith in Miguel Cabrera, that Miguel Cabrera's best, in my mind, is better than David Wright's best. David Wright's best was 2008-27. I don't know how much better David Wright can get in 2007. I don't anticipate him stealing 34 out of 38 bases again, for one thing. You know, I don't I don't know that he's going to get any better offensively, even though I know he's not at his peak age. I think Miguel Cabrera will have, like, a monster 50 home run season. I don't I see I, Wright I, I, having I might that. agree with you on that. I also think that David Wright will have a significantly, probably yes. a longer career because he Maybe. takes better care. I mean, but Cabrera could go to first base and just still be right. He can still rake. But but you do give a little credit to the fact yeah. that now credit to Cabrera. Cabrera's it's, been doing this in the big leagues longer than right. Wright. It's a peak the, value versus career right. value. At the same time, debate. with Wright, he's going to stick at third, which is I mean, no one kind of I think probably thinks when you think Miguel Cabrera five years down the road goes unless. He changes his, you know, his eating approach or his workout approach. Which he did, approach. though. I mean, we, right. We, we he slimmed down this year. Yeah, he looks yeah. better this spring. He but he's got to keep that up. Otherwise, you know, a lot of people think he's going to slide over. David Wright is, you know, basically kind of that athletic right. third baseman. Right. But, and yeah, Cabrera's it's a great debate. Big, Cabrera's just bigger. Yeah. Uh, it's less likely for the bigger guy to stay at third base. David Wright's almost like the perfect size. To be there but also, because of that, it makes it less likely you expect him to hit, you know, 45 homers. In it's a heck of a choice. Is the <laughs> you're you're not going to go wrong either way. Exactly. If you have either of these guys as your cornerstone, Absolutely. you're going to do fine. And then uh, the, the rest of our list, it was an interesting list. Uh, you know, Prince Fielder at six, having hit 50 home runs you know, already in a season. Felix Hernandez at seven. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how high Grady Sizemore ended up on this list, considering how much the guy strikes out. But he does so many other things. He's so complete. I was a little bit surprised at how high Jose Reyes finished on this, considering his awful September, really contributing to the Mets' swoon. Uh, but it's pretty impressive that the Mets have two guys in the top five, and the Tigers have two guys in the top five. 
the Brewers have, uh, you know, are all over this list and all over the other list. Uh, several Tampa Bay Rays on this list. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. Dodgers, couple Rockies. So, and the thing I that also one Rocky. the thing that also jumped out is is that I mean, and it's it's a the, the talent level. It, it, it is it does emphasize when doing this. It kind of pointed out again. We really are in a great time for baseball no in doubt. that there are there's so much young talent in the game now that we're going to get to watch. I mean, every guy we're talking about here, I'm not saying that some of them have not already hit their peak because right. it happens occasionally. It does, absolutely. But usually, I mean, conventional wisdom is is that basically your late 20s, you know, 27 was always thought, you know, to be the age that yeah. you kind of hit your peak, but your late 20s are your best years in baseball. We're talking about these guys who are not only established, but in a lot of cases, stars yeah. who still have hopefully their best days ahead of them. It's a, it's and there's impressive. a ton of them. And these are a lot of the best players in the game. I mean, like Adrian Gonzalez at 22, the guy had 20 home runs away from Petco last year. I think that guy is massively underrated. And, uh, and he's and, 22 on our top 25 list. And I think if we'd have done this list, if we'd have done this list in 1998. I don't think it would be nearly as impressive as what we're looking at now because we've great had point. two great rookie classes. That's a great blog back post. To back. Let's make that so. Yeah, we have to look back at the nineteen ninety years, years ago. Uh, that would be a great blog post. We have to do that today. Not like we don't have other things to yeah, do. Yeah, you know. And plus, there's ACC tournament to watch. We're in North Cackalack. You got to represent for the ACC tournament. It's a Baseball America podcast. He's JJ. I'm John. Twenty five and under. I mean, the top twenty five, not quite prospects. JJ, this is the list that everyone always asks about. Really. Justin Upton, V. This is Ryan Braun. Last Braun. year's rookie class is what we're talking about. In many ways, yes. Justin Upton, Ryan Braun, Tim Lincecum, Phil Hughes, Giovanni Gallardo. It's a heck of a list. Oh, um, Francisco Liriano, seven. Yeah, exactly. Who, by the way, could, you know, if he bounces back, be, you know, pretty much the most dominant pitcher in the game in a couple of years. Andrew Miller's nine. The guy got the major league contract. I mean, last thing's Miller's is at 16. There's some question marks there. John Lester's 14. The guy won the World Series clincher last year. Uh, you know, Escobar's 19. The guy's already an established big league shortstop, basically. Um, it's a pretty good list. It's it's hard to not like any of these guys. Is there a pick to click out of this for you? Like a guy who's lower that you think should be higher? Uh, or you, you know, a, a small well, decision for you? You know, I mean, <laughs> it, this is a fascinating list also because it's so on, you know, Josh Hamilton's on this list. Right. And, I mean, if you said. He's 26. He doesn't, he doesn't qualify for the 25 and under. List. Yeah, yeah, that's the crazy thing. Is it's it's actually an exception to the rule. It's terms. crazy and it's terrible. But if you said, you know, I think I could see Josh Hamilton having a great year this year. Obviously, he doesn't have the upside, yeah. you know, some of these the guys. Long-term the long-term career. you know, career. But when you're looking at it, you know, I mean, obviously, Liriano could come. I mean, look, when Liriano's been healthy, oh, yeah. Liriano has yeah. been as nasty as anyone in the game, basically. Oh, yeah. he, the last year he was in the minors... There wasn't even better stuff, and basically until he you know broke down the first year he was in the big leagues, there he was, wasn't. He was unhittable. He had the best stuff on his staff, and he was on the staff of Johan Santana. I mean, it's that's as good as a compliment that's, I think as you can. You know, give that's that's insane. You know, to think about that. Now, you know, the other guys I'm looking at, you know, really, I, I you know, still Phil Hughes to me. People have kind of forgotten about because he didn't have the year last year, but he was hurt. Right. There's really not a whole lot of difference in Phil Hughes where he is right now than where he was two years ago when he was the best pitching prospect in the game or right. one of the top two. Right, coming into last year, really. Yeah. I mean, so I would not be shocked at all if two years from now we're going, you know, why Why did people, you know, it's not even like people are down on him. Right. But why did people, you know, Java came in and so 
there's almost this feeling of not noticing. Oh yeah, by the way, Phil he Hughes is almost overlooked. And the one thing about Phil Hughes is 2006 is the only season that he stayed healthy a whole year. He's an 04 draft pick. He got hurt that year. It was minor. He kicked the door. He hurt his toe. 05 in the South Atlantic League. He was hurt that year. He he had some injury issues. I think it was a hamstring. Wasn't anything significant. And they always year, and they always back then. If you think about it, also they were very, very careful. careful. And last year was the same thing. He had a significant hamstring injury. And then he had a setback when he was coming back from that. Only 73 innings. This guy's pitched a full season once. That's really the only chink in his armor. It's the same thing you'd say, really, about Jabba Chamberlain. What I really respect about Phil Hughes is that he pitched and pitched fairly effectively last year without his best stuff. Right. He's Which got is, command. He's got secondary pitches. He's got enough fastball. Uh, it's hard not to like Phil Hughes. He just has to show he can do it over a full season. Uh, top 25 rookies. Uh, that's a tough list every year. That's a tough meeting. This is one of the easier meetings, actually. And. Let's preface it by saying we talk about how good the last two classes are. I think there's kind of a, a general agreement, you know, I think in baseball, you know, there definitely is in this office yeah. that if you look at this year's crop, there's some really good players in it, but we're not talking about a class that's probably going to live up to the last two years, which are right. two of the best rookie classes that we've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. The last three or four years have actually there have been like one bad crop and like several really, really yeah. good groups of rookies. But, uh, you know, Jay Bruce, our minor league player of the year, our number one prospect, he's number four on this list, and he could certainly be number one. We came around a little bit on Hiroki Kuroda. We have a sidebar on now online that Matt Eddy wrote. Um, you know, I think we got more information on Hiroki Kuroda between the time that we wrote our top 100 list and we did our rookie list. And so he's higher on this list. And you might expect he would have been, considering our top 100, he didn't make our top 100. Basically, when he did make our top 100, we had a couple scouts say, one who piped up and said, hey, he should have been on your top 100 list. And then the more we dug about it, it's like, yeah, he should have been on our top 100 list. And that's, that's one of the things that people need to know is, is that the top 100, our top 30s, our top 10s, our league top 20s, They're not all of those are snapshots at that moment. And I don't think there's probably one of us who – you, you finish your, t- I know, I do the Reds. You finish your top 30, yep. and it's as good as you could have done it at that time. That's exactly right. And it's without fail, always going to be frustrating that spring training rolls around, and you keep getting information. I mean, you know, if you have a team that you do year after year, you kind of just kind of try to collect information on them all the year. Yeah, we don't stop reporting. Right. And so there's that frustration of, if I'd have known this, it would change this around. Exactly. You know, And, you know, that happens... Throughout it, it's a snapshot at that moment. Change the parlance of March. It's one moment in time. But especially, like, if we redid the top 100 right now, there wouldn't be dramatic changes. But there would be guys who've moved up. There would be guys who've moved down because, you know, you see, you know, spring training is pretty... Angela Roach. Angela Roach was uh, on our top 20 rookies, uh, top 25 rookies at 14 when we did it in the magazine. And I think we're going to push him down when it's posted online. He's 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 posted online as number 22. Because he's hurt. (laughs) <laughs> He's going to miss the start of the year. He does not have a chance to beat out Nomar Garciaparra, or as Tim McCarver calls him, Garciaparra, for the starting job with the Dodgers. Uh, so it's a you know it's a setback for him, and his chance of having a full big league season are zero right now. He's not going to start the year in the major leagues. He's going to start the year hurt. He's coming back. From and he'll probably problem. when he's thumb problem, I think. right? But when he recovers, they'll send him to AAA right. to kind of get back up to game speed. But then the question becomes, I mean, it's going to be a tougher road for him. There's yeah. a lot tougher for him if he's trying to win that job. If they're off to a hot start exactly. and Garcia Parra's playing well, it's not easy to say in May, hey, you know, 
you're playing well, but we're going to, you know... Take you it. out for this rookie. Yeah. It's so very hard to do. That's not easy. It's hard to foresee, and I guess the... Uh, they're interesting... Uh, they're, they're, well, there are lots of these guys, but I mean, like, Brandon Wood having a brutal oh. spring. Just brutal. There, I mean, there, it, again, snapshots in time. Not that Brandon Wood would, like, be off our top 100 or anything, but I do think that there are a lot more concerns about him now than there were even when we were doing the top 100, because, you know... The strikeouts, we always knew. I mean, everyone's always known that Brandon was going to strike out. That's not news. But we're seeing, you know, more and more like, okay, you've got to prove, though, that you're making adjustments. Correct. He has 13 strikeouts in 28 at-bats this spring. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, basically, if he walks up, there's essentially a 50% shot that he's going to be walking back to the dugout with a strikeout. Asparagus. Unbelievable. It's not good. There's just something good about his spring and the – there's nothing bad so far about Johnny Cueto's spring, which, you know, if you're Johnny Cueto, really, you know, these guys who pitch winter ball should come in with a head start, but this is a little ridiculous. But Johnny coming, Cueto has just been unbelievably good in Reds camp and was borderline for our top 25 already. number 26. <laughs> he's, uh, he's right there on um, the voting that we did. But I think he'd push in right now if we had, again, more information. Uh, the polls well, are – but we had early voting. Uh, right. To, again, to, to right. Keep like, we'll compare it. Context. Homer Baylor's – Homer Baylor. Homer Bailey is on here at number 13. Yeah. If you He's were ahead of Homer Bailey right now. If you were doing it right now, Homer Bailey this spring has not had a great spring. He's had good outings. He's had bad outings. Right. There's kind of a, a question of whether he's – yet shown that he can still make those adjustments. Command, I mean, command is always going to be the issue of Homer. The stuff's always been outstanding. Yeah, really pitchability. Can he throw a strike and he make his pitch when he needs to make it? Right. And can he consistently? You know, he's, he's at that point where he's got some control, but does he have that command to throw pitches and hit spots, not right. just, okay, I'm In throwing it over the, yeah, I'm throwing it over the, you know, I'm over to the throw those outside. No, you need to be low and outside. Right. You know. That's which is not the problem for Johnny Cueto. Right. If you were looking at it now, I mean, you know, in Reds camp, they're talking about Cueto's really right now potentially their number three starter. Bailey is battling for the fifth starter job. Well, you know, if we're doing it right now, that doesn't mean that you know Cueto's going to stay in the rotation all year. That doesn't mean that Bailey's not going to have. Doesn't mean he may not. Ha- doesn't even mean he'll have the better career necessarily. Right. But he's more ready, it appears right now, to step into a big league rotation than Homer Bailey is. And the thing about this is, when we're saying this, Homer Bailey did pitch. Good, and I mean, he was the same way, like he's had good and bad outings in spring. Yep. He had good and bad outings last year, Correct. had some injury problems, but when he came back, he kind of showed that little at the end of the season, like, okay, here's what Homer can be. But we're still seeing, you know, he he may not be there to ready to fully show that yet. Maybe too much karma to overcome there with a pitcher named Homer. I mean, we just haven't, uh, I don't know if we should discount that. Is so. there anyone else on this list that you, like, from spring, or it jumps out to you as, hey, you think this guy's going to really... Well, I'm hearing great reports on Jar Jurgens uh, in Braves camp. I'm a Jar Jurgens guy. I think it was a great pickup for the Braves. I like the Edgar Renteria trade for the Braves. They have shortstop depth. If Escobar doesn't work out, they can go to Brent Lillibridge. Uh, I, I like that deal for Atlanta. I think they needed Jar Jurgens. They needed a young pitcher who has the profile of being a durable 3-4 slash kind of guy, and that's, that's what he is, and... Our reports on him are good, and Franklin Morales apparently not throwing that hard, not throwing that well in Rockies camp. And, you know, even last year, early in the year, I talked to a scout who thought that Franklin Morales would not be able to stick in the major leagues long-term as a starting pitcher and would wind up as an Allen Embry-type, hard-throwing lefty reliever. 
Now, he is clearly because, got better as the year went on. It was because he didn't think he could repeat his arm action strikes consistently Because that's still, I mean, that's the question. That's the question. That is the question. <laughs> You'll hear that question changed. a lot. I mean, The thing is, he did it. Not doing it in Tulsa in May is one thing. Doing it in August and September in a pennant race is more important, right, and that's, that's why I ranked him as high as I ranked him. Right. That, that's like, that's, that weight's much heavier. Absolutely. But, but there's still that evidence that he may not uh, have it in him to consistently repeat it, consistently throw strikes. So um, that's going to be very interesting to watch Franklin Morales and also to watch just how the Rockies progress this year. Uh, how, do they, how do they deal with success, basically? How do they deal with a little prosperity? Uh, be very interesting to watch how they do that and the Diamondbacks as well. The Diamondbacks had a very active offseason, made themselves better, I think significantly better. But they also really did not have a 90-win team last year. They were like an 80-win team that – Got a lot of breaks, made their own breaks, and maximized what they had, and and won ninety games and won the division. That that for some reason jarred me to add to point out one other thing. It's like this is the spring. It seems like one of the overriding stories that's coming out of spring training is we've been talking about you know here at Baseball America for a while now about how I know we know the Rays are awful. We know they've oh, yeah. always been awful. But they're going to be good. When are they going to make the leap? And increasingly, and this it looks spring, like 2008 is the leap. This spring. It is a leap year. You're seeing. Sorry, put of the day. You're seeing more and more, you know, stories out of, you know, out of Florida basically saying, wow, this team really has something here. It'll be nice if they uh, make the leap because we've been talking about the leap coming for a couple of years and from David Price's brief. Spring fling <laughs> to Evan Longoria looking good this spring to just the whole team having some talent to Cliff Lloyd's comments where he talks about all the pitchers and all the power arms he's in camp. And this is a veteran who's clearly been around and also knows what it's like to be a hyped prospect and to deal with hype and have to translate being a prospect into being a big league regular. Um, you know, I, I and, and the, the Rays are already dealing with some adversity, JJ. Besides the, the whole Yankee sure. stuff, Rocky Bob Dalley, I mean, that's. That could be a big, big deal for them. Big problem. But, but at the same time, I mean, obviously, it's you, know, you hate to hear it for for Rocco, <laughs> but you are looking at a team even with having traded away, Delvin you know, Young. Delvin Young, who's basically you know one of the better young uh, outfielders out there, and Elijah Dukes, who's and Elijah Dukes, who is one of the better talents out there. You know, if yes. if he keeps it all under control, even with that, you're still talking about a situation where you know what. Even if Rocco Baudelli doesn't play a day this year, which sounds like there's a chance he won't, right? They'll be they have a chance to be okay. They still have a, I, I they still have a center fielder, right? They I still mean, have corner outfielders. I mean, they really you know they they still can be okay. Their whole big question really without him is the right-handed power part of the equation. They have BJ Upton who provides that, Johnny Guns provides that, but with a lot of strikeouts. Um, the question is, can Evan Longoria basically can help fill that void? And who else will be the, the other right fielder, the other outfielder in that equation? You have Gomes, but he's really best suited to be a DH. But Cliff with, Floyd will play some of that. They sent out Justin Ruggiano to AAA camp. I think that Justin Ruggiano eventually could factor in there. He was 2020 in Durham last year. He's solid, but right now, really, they could use either to have a guy like Pridey back or a guy like Young back. Just have one of those that three outfielders they traded this offseason. Of course, I'm the only one who loves Jason Pridey with Delman Young <laughs> and Eliza Dukes, but I'd much rather have Pridey than Dukes, put it that way. He was drafted around ahead of Dukes coming out of high school, up than Pridey Dukes in their 2002 draft. I just, I love the, the top of that draft. That's, uh, that's a good draft. On to the New Year's resolution. Please, on to the New Year's resolution. We'll read our email at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Uh, dot com, I should say. Blake Taylor 
from, I don't know how to pronounce it, England. Nuneaton? Nuneaton, I think, is that, or Nuneaton. I was going to say, I, for me trying to pronounce something, that's hilarious, because everyone in the office knows that I'm the mispronouncer of names. He has an email that actually we can't answer, so but I want to thank Blake. <laughs> I want to thank Blake for sending the email to podcast at baseballmedia.com. It's not often we get stumped. Um, I was kind of hoping you were going to take that one because I was like, "Wow, I don't." No, know. No, I that. forgot. I had made a note to self. Don't read that email, but it's a it's the podcast. Joe Lacate, who's just uh, dominating our podcast emails, uh, thanks for answering the questions. First of all, he says, and he thought about he asked us about the Rays, uh, third place finish in the AL <laughs> is possible. I think we certainly agree about that. Um, so Joe sent that one in. Then he also asked about our 2009 top 10. And this is the one I really wanted to read. Um, he liked our top 100. Who do we think will be in the top 10 for 2009? His includes such players as Clayton Kershaw, Travis Snyder, David Price, Chris Marrero, Jake McGee and Wade Davis, Mike Moustakas, Matt Wieters, Jason Hayward, and Angel Villalona. Those are good names. Yeah. Now, my question is, after having watched Kershaw basically, yeah. I mean, look absolutely, completely filthy you know, yes. in spring training already, there's some question Dirty. about whether he will actually, you know, he might not hit 50, and he probably won't hit 50, so it probably will be, a, you know, but I, I would be shocked if he's not up at some point this year. It would, it would be a surprise, there's no doubt about that. And David Price will be up at some point this year probably, but both of them probably still will be under the innings limit. So, yeah, I mean, that... I, I probably, if that's the case, if, if Price and Kershaw are both healthy and still carrying prospect eligibility, I think they're above Travis Snyder. Yeah, absolutely. I think David Price uh, has to be ahead of Travis Snyder. I don't think Chris Murrow's four either. That's the one that's out of place a little bit for me. Like, if I had to go by that profile and think of who would be in that top ten, maybe I'd say Matt Laporta uh, would be more likely to be up there. Um Trying to think of other uh, top hitters from the last couple drafts off the top of my head. I'm Which again, that's where this is. This is what we've seen when we're doing the top hundred and all. It's that that, that next wave we've so, we've seen so much go on in the big leagues. Right. That next wave is a little bit thinner. It seems like you know that. Yeah, depth in the minor leagues in that top one hundred was less than it has been before. But I mean, he picked up on the right guys that we are enthusiastic about the Mustakas. Right, I, I think Mustakas. Oh, I think Mustakas could be number three, number four next year if he, he comes was, out this year. Yeah, he was number six in Jim Callis' yeah. list this year. I mean, uh, if he comes out and has a strong, you know, basically debut. Right. Uh, that's the only question really that's sitting out there right yeah, now. It like is a debut, the tools. Yeah. You know, everyone really kind of says, hey, you know, he's got amazing tools. I mean, this is a guy who could have been basically, when you were doing best tools for the, when Josh Leventhal was doing best tools for the Royals, he could have been basically, in pitching categories, he would have probably had two pitches. Yeah, well, I know, when when we did the draft report card, he would have won best fastball and best breaking ball, and that's for an organization that drafted a lot of pitchers and drafted a lot of pitchers high and guys with good arms. But Moustakas (laughs) Moustakas was 97-98 with a 90-mile-an-hour slider, I mean. The guy was a legit. So if he has, player. if he has basically a season this year, like you know, like like we think he can, you could see him being number three, number four next year. Absolutely. The other guys who weren't factored in here, Joe, and thanks for the email at podcast at baseballamerica dot com, were two thousand and eight draft picks. Uh, were not factored in here. I could see Tim Beckham being in this list. Uh, more than that, I could see uh, Pedro Alvarez. I could see maybe Justin Smoke. Right. I can maybe see Aaron Crow or Brian Mattis. So uh, depending on what kind of springs those guys all have. Heck, I'll even throw out Tanner Shepherds. There aren't many college yeah, pitchers who have the kind of stuff and getting results that Tanner Shepherds has shown at Fresno State. That's what I would expect that next year's top 100 you are going to see a lot. I mean, 
this year's draft, you know, seems more and more like this is the year of the college pitcher because there is a very impressive group of junior pitchers out there. Absolutely. That we could see a number of those guys. Similar to 2006, but they're better college bats this year also than you usually get. And while a lot of those guys are corner infielders or left fielders, that kind of thing, uh, that's where you want guys to hit. And, and frankly, the profile in the major leagues has changed for our future story. We'll tease here. But when you got guys like Ryan Garko and Kevin Euclid, who are first baseman on championship-level teams, um, or Casey Kochman, um, you know, uh, even Todd Helton, who's hitting 15 home runs a year basically these days, um, you know, there, there are fewer Ryan Howards and Prince Fielders out there than, the, than there were five years ago. So the David Coopers and Yonder Alonzos and Justin Smokes, uh, uh, you know, even if these guys are 900 OPS guys or 800 OPS, 850 OPS guys, uh, those guys are going to be big leagues. They're going to be big league regulars, and teams are showing that that might be the new championship profile of first base. You may not have to hit 50 home runs. You might have to be a really good hitter. I don't think that 50 home runs is the norm uh, or 40 home runs is the norm at first base anymore. Uh, we're, I just think we're past but, that era. We're 10 years since expansion, J.J., and we're coming out of a PED era, a performance-enhancing drug era, and I, I, I think, think this profile's changing. It's, it's a bad question to ask 28 minutes into a podcast, but do you think that the profile's changed, or do you think basically, like... I think what, there are fewer 50 home right, runners, so yes, I but, think but, the profile is but, changing. But I guess what I'm thinking, though, with, like, with Kevin Euclid's and all like that, it's something where... A lot of these situations, like you look at the Yankees, the Yankees situation was one where they're, it's not that they're filling the profile, it's that basically they, for some reason, have struggled to find a first baseman to plug in. Even in Kevin Euclid's case, it's a. I just think it's an emphasis on good hitters, not just power. That's my main point. I'm not saying you can't have, you don't need to have an 850 or 900 ops at first base. I'm saying you need to have a good hitter at first base. And you just don't need, the, the players, like Howard and Prince Fielder hitting 50 home runs, are fewer and further between. We're going to have fewer Greg Vaughn and uh, Brody, Brady Anderson 50 home run seasons now than we oh, did yeah. a decade ago. That's my only point. And I agree. And because of that, I think teams are going to look for the power. You still are looking for power. It's still very near the top of your profile at first base. But I think the key is to have a productive offensive player, and that's a guy who hits for average, who gets on base, who hits for power. But if it's 20 home runs, and 40 doubles and a 310 average and a 380 on base, that's going to be good enough. That, that's my point. Is it, you don't have to have 40 to 50 home runs to play first base anymore. And it will be interesting because we've talked about this also around the office, that this is a year of college first baseman. And right. that if you were talking about a draft profile. It's one of the worst. That you just don't see drafted in the Has first. Hasn't been a first-round college first baseman, a guy who played first base in college since Carlos Pena in 1998. That's a shocking. Long that's time. 10 years Yep. And this year, you could see smoke. Yonder uh, Alonso. Alan Dykstra. Could see Alan Dykstra, but he's playing some. He's third playing base some third, but he's playing first. He's a third baseman who plays third base until he's they wait in the game and yeah. they go here. Here's your first base glove. Let's. He's playing third base to prove that he'll be good enough to play first base, basically. Because there are a lot of people who thought he was a below average defender. Now I'm hearing that scouts are saying he's average at first, if not a tick above. But he's still below average at third. He's really just too big to be a, a third baseman. Bring it all back to Miguel Cabrera at the beginning of the podcast. That's the mint on the pillow for your podcast. Uh, JJ, great job. Uh, we need to do the po- probably our loudest podcast yes. in several weeks as we're back in the podcast nook and JJ and I project our voices uh, more than most here. Baseball America. <laughs> Joe, thanks for the email. Get a, Don't let Joe hog all of our email, guys. It's podcast at baseballamerica.com. 
We'll read the email and uh, think of it as like SBA, but on a uh, audio version, non Jim Callis edition. So for JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Until next week, so long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.